The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he is about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then, a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly, a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the one holy and undivided Trinity. Amen. Well, there are so many problems in this world, it can feel overwhelming. But I have to say, when I feel overwhelmed, I think about my boss. My boss never looks overwhelmed. As a matter of fact, if you've ever seen him on TV or if you watch the royal wedding, you realize that presiding Bishop Curry always seems to have a glimmer of hope. He is a shiny and dazzling person. Bishop Curry, who leads our Episcopal Church in what he's called the Jesus Movement as an invitation to practice this way of love, is always filled with a glimmer of something 
shiny, something hopeful. I hope that I too can have that glimmer, but it is hard at times, is it not? Is it hard to realize that, well, the world is full of problems and it's hard to know where to begin. We have problems with our water, our environment, our schools, violence, immigration. Where does one begin? I think that this time of transfiguration would be one that Bishop Curry would call the most Jesus movement of Jesus movement seasons. Because it's about change. It's about this mystical transformation. It, not just Lent itself, that's very Catholic-y, but the way in which God does something bigger and bolder in us. That's very Jesus movie. That's very way of love. And these stories where you hear Moses going up the mountain and Jesus with his apostles and they're turning dazzling white, there's something of a metaphysical, mystical God's love in it. A message for us, Jesus movement people, who are on our way dealing and thinking about justice and love. I love this story too because, well, if you hadn't thought about it, if you really counted, Moses doesn't go up this mountain one time. He goes eight times. It takes him a few tries to get it right. One of those tries, he's on that mountain for 40 days, and well, that doesn't go so well. He comes back and there's a golden calf, and the Israelites are dancing and singing. They're praising some other god. But over and over again, he has to walk up this mountain to get close to God. There's something, some clue in there about our closeness to God, being able to be face-to-face -face with God, being able to hear God's prayers, that gives Moses this shiny brightness, this renewal, this strength, this passion that enables Moses to convey God's love for justice to all God's people. And Jesus, Jesus on a mountain with his apostles, his followers, they're in prayer. They're being very close to God. They're hearing God in conversation before the dazzling glory comes in. There's some connection there. Being in prayer, being close, enables one to not just glow, but to carry on the work of God's kingdom here. But it's hard. It is very hard. How would one know where to start? And yet, and yet we do, as a people, as Episcopalians, mild-minded as we are sometimes, thinking about general convention, where millions of dollars went into planning, a schedule had been set out months in advance, there were thousands of people ready to vote and do legislation, and yet somebody said, I am so overwhelmed with sorrow about mothers and fathers being separated from their children at the border. I can't take it. Let's disrupt, let's stop this narrative. And my boss and your presiding bishop and all our bishops said, yeah, let's do that. There's something of God in this desire, and that is what happened this summer. 40 buses were donated from Trinity Wall Street, and hundreds of Episcopalians stopped their legislation and deliberation and rode down to the Hutto Detention Center and had prayer outside in the grass where there was no altar linens or choir, and yet there we were in the dirt. And we could look across the valley and see 
women inside that prison, holding up signs saying, thank you, thank you, we hear you. And we heard them. Something about getting close and listening restores one's ability to do justice, to be present, to be open to however God chose. But eight times, that's a good number of times. Forty days is a lot, I don't know. You might come back and be tempted by the devil as Jesus was or see your friends and neighbors dancing before a golden calf, but eight times with God's help, that could get us back on the path. And that number eight is so, so precious. You see in Jesus' story, on the eighth day, he was named. And on the eighth time, angels came and sung before him. There was an eighth day in which Mary sang the Magnificat as Jesus was in her womb. Eight times is plenty, I think, to at least be open to seeing God draw near, to hearing God's face. Peter and his companions were following Jesus eight days after he'd made a miracle with bread and was told, we know who you are. Who are you? And then Jesus' clothing turned bright. The Hebrew word is shining with light. It's striking out. It's renewing. Because, well, following Jesus up a mountain of justice is tiring. It's hard. We all need that renewal. But how do we get to that place of listening in? of seeing the burning bush, the glowing heat. Justice requires that renewal. And maybe if we have to follow up a mountain eight times, we'll do it. Reminds me of my grandma's favorite hymn. She would say, climbing up the mountain, children, I didn't come here for it to stay. If I'm ever going to see you again, I'll meet you on the judgment day. It's a song about walking together up an arduous journey, but a place where we can lean in and hear God's voice. It might be hard, but in a place of rest and prayer, we are transformed. We are transfigured. We know what comes next. God loves justice and the people of justice, but reviving us, well, sometimes it takes a miracle, a transfiguration, a Lenten moment. Seen something of how this transfiguration has worked. Have you seen it? Have you seen a moment where all of a sudden, bright shyness broke in, where love revived you, where you had a sense of renewed call. Ruby Sales, when she was a little girl integrating schools in the Deep South, was filled with prayer, and she kept that with her all her life. And as someone mentioned in the forum just earlier, how does one get revived? Well, Ruby says in her 60s, she still has to go to a place to hear God. She still has to go again and again to a place where even when she's tired and sad and broken, God can reach in to the silence and teach her how to rise above the pain of judgment, the ignorance, her anger sometimes, how to open herself up to God's loving practice of justice. It's a good thing that God does that because sometimes I get so tired, I can't do it myself. Maybe you feel the same way. But there's something about that silence, that proximity to God that lets God step in. Our closeness to God is what shapes us. As we go up that mountain, one another, children, leaning in to the brightness. 
I have known something of that incredible, illogical breaking in of God on our way up the mountain. Ashes and fire do nothing when God is doing a miracle. At the last parish I served in Richmond, Virginia, just in this diocese, you've probably been there. We had a wonderful social justice ministry. People were compelled. They adopted a school. We did laundry love. We were in the city day and night, and yet something was wrong. People were kind of tired. Our attendance in our social justice programs had gone down. Parents weren't as likely to come to our interfaith luncheons with the inner city schools. Something was drawing people away. And what was it? Something we couldn't hear or see. And there were folks in the city that said, well, you're nice people and all, but something about uh, your big building makes us feel uncomfortable. We looked around. What do they see? Well, St. Paul's and its 150-plus-year-old presence had beautiful stained glass windows, two stories high. They were Tiffany and they shimmered. Had plaques on the wall made of brass. It had marble glowing. And yet, something in our surroundings told a story of something other than God's love. You see, we had a wonderful window depicting this story, depicting Moses leading the people going up the mountain. And our Moses, well, he was a cross between Fabio and a Cocker Spaniel. He had flowing, rippling hair that was blonde, and he literally had his shirt open with chiseled abs. This was some kind of Moses. <laughs> How could you not be inspired by this Moses? And yet, sometimes even people on the diocesan council said, well, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have our events at your parish anymore. Do you not see how it doesn't make us feel this justice and love? And well, folks who've been born and bred and raised in that congregation said, no, we, we don't see it. What are you telling us? Where are we not noticing? Well, right there, in the bottom of the Fabio Moses window, it said that this is our hero, our prophet, our Moses, who is, in fact, the spitting image of Robert E. Lee leading Southerners to freedom and justice. Oh, was that the thing that we've failed to notice, become deaf to as background noise as we've gone about doing the good work year after year, decade after decade? The background noise was wearing us down, dulling our awareness. And so what did we do? Well, we said, let's come in prayer. A period of quiet, letting God talk to us. And it was not easy. People were filled with fear, but we had time to pray together, to listen together. Potlucks and luncheons, after church forums and council meetings. Sometimes nobody came, sometimes everybody came. Sometimes the media came, sometimes the clan came. And yet, we leaned in to the listening, to the hearing. We asked each other a question. What did you notice? What is it that you don't know? Where has God spoken? And we heard answers. Some of them were hard. Some of them were sad. Some of them were filled with light. After a year or two of listening and crying and working together, hearing not just our own voices, but those of our neighbors, those of the AME church across the way, those of our Jewish and Muslim brothers and sisters, those who would never darken our door and those who came every week for the soup kitchen. 
Tell us, where have you heard God? What do you know? It's there I think we stumbled on something that Ruby was talking about. The reviving presence, the ability of God to speak when we're ready to listen. We're climbing up the mountain together and we heard. And one day, inexplicably, there was, I think, a gush of wind in the vestry meeting. And, well, I don't think our vestry members' clothes changed white, but someone said, I hear God saying, call us by a new name. We've been called this Cathedral of the Confederacy for so long, we don't want to be that anymore. God's saying, perhaps we're going to be the Cathedral of Reconciliation. In that moment, it was more than strategy or PR. It was more than good reconciliation work. It was reviving prayer. It was something other. It was a spirit. It was us having heard God climbing up the mountain. Something happens when we dare let other people in to pray together, to listen together. When we lift up the names of those who are vulnerable or ostracized, those who are poor or those who we've been ignoring. When we pray and allow God to speak in the silence, something happens. Something happens that God lets us care about the right thing in the right way. We are children of God's loving presence. So yes, there are so many things to worry about, so many problems, and it's a disgrace that there are children who don't have enough food, that people in this own state of Virginia don't have clean water, that that our friends and neighbors who suffered storm and damage had to wait years for decades for power. There's so many problems throughout this country. And yet, as we have people prayer lean into them, we can hear God directing us, pointing us to the way to go. Our faith teaches us that we welcome the stranger, the immigrant, the vulnerable, that we can lean in and be in a place of politics that isn't one of hate that we can know one another when we listen. It's our proximity to God that gives us the power to do this, that gives us, well, a map of the way of love. Perhaps our first step is to climb up this mountain, to walk together, and even if we don't get it right this time, well, it took Moses eight times. We can at least try again. This Lenten season, are you going to be called to try your way up the mountain and perhaps listen in? Listen to God, listen to one another, to restore our way of justice. Because that closeness to God is the thing that sort of makes the face shiny, the clothes bright, that gives us that moral and spiritual base that helps us keep going. To walk together, children, and not get weary, up the mountain to this great camp meeting. Perhaps God's presence in the world will come forth blazing like the bush, or just in shiny clothes, or just in a feeling of renewed spirit. Perhaps our closest to God is the invitation this Lent to do justice, to love mercy, to go together up the mountain, hold hands, because there's a great camp meeting coming. Amen.